Well, uh, we are going to have a special Father's Day message, and uh, I want to do it for dads because um, I've, been, I've been a little bit discouraged by what I see in the media and the relentless attack on dads in our culture, and um, I want to address it today. And so we're going to take a look at the Hall of Faith, Hebrews chapter 11. If you have a Bible, open up to Hebrews chapter 11. If you don't, uh, these folks will be walking down the aisles. They'll give you a Bible. Hebrews chapter 11. I know we're going through the book of Luke, but uh, this morning we're going to pause a little bit and go through Hebrews chapter 11, not the entirety of it. It's not going to be a deep expositional study. It is topical. I know Calvary chapels, that's not a real commonplace thing, but uh, I think it's necessary. We always often do a Mother's Day message, and um, I thought today would be fitting to have a Father's Day message. I, uh, I want to read uh, about the Hall of Faith, and just to let you know what that is, in Hebrews chapter 11, the author, we don't know who the author is of the book of Hebrews, we assume it's the Apostle Paul, but we don't know. And the author is going through the concept of faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God, because he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And we need to know what faith is, and so Hebrews 11 defines what faith is, and then it gives all these remarkable um, examples of the patriarchs in this hall of faith. It goes right down the list. It also adds uh, some, some women in there, um, but primarily at the beginning with the patriarchs, it lists them. And, and to find this, this idea of faith, I, I figured let's, let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Um, and, and in addition, preparing for the Father's Day message, I wanted to look at scripture for an exemplary dad. And um, so I did the first three verses and then began to read through the rest of Hebrews. I got to verse seven. I did like the character in that. And I, I think he'd be a good one to focus on. But we're also gonna take a look at a few others. So with that being said, would you please stand for the reading of the word of the Lord? We're gonna, I'm going to read out loud if you'll follow along silently. I'm going to do the first three verses of Hebrews 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And then verse 7. By faith... Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his family or household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Now that being said, while you're standing, I just wanted to add that some of the folks that are listed in this hall of faith are Abraham, Aaron, Isaac, Jacob, Samuel, David, goes on with a, uh, a number of others. We're gonna take a look at a handful of them, but let's ask the Lord's blessing on our time. What a wonderful father you are, Lord. We're grateful on this day to wish you a happy Father's Day. And Lord, I'm thankful for all the dads in the room. And Lord, I thank you for all of us who had dads, which means all of us. 
Lord, some of us had lousy ones, and some of us had good ones, and some of us had folks in between. But we all had fathers. And so, Lord, by this message, would you open our eyes to what you desire to do in and through us, minister, bring healing, and I ask your blessing as we take a look at the riches of your word. And we commit it all to you, Father, and we thank you in your son's name. Amen. Have a seat, please. I thought it'd be great to get a hero example for a father, and I figured the best place to go for that and to look for that would, have been, would be the scriptures. And uh, I, I began this search looking for a really wonderful example of a biblical father, and in my search, um, I quickly realized that every single example was not perfect. All the ones listed in the Hall of Faith honestly were train wrecks. All had dad flaws. They were a mess. I think there's only one dad of all the searching I had done that kind of came out on more of a positive side, and that would have been Joseph, the father of Jesus, but quite honestly, we don't hear a lot about him. I think if, if they had written more, we would have been a little dissatisfied. And what's written of him is very limited. But in this passage of scripture, I, I guess the part that I noticed in going through this hall of faith, and the reason as I was examining my own heart why I wanted to do this, is because quite frankly, I'm sick and tired of dads being beat up in our culture. You turn on any television program and a commercial comes on and the father is a complete buffoon. Ridiculed, mock, and belittled. Stupid. There's no... Redeeming quality in that kind of approach. And in our culture today is we see this happening in the increase of, of the demeaning of a father. I, the progressive auto insurance, uh, that, that's one of my, that just sickens me. All these people sitting around talking about how can we avoid being like our father. That's real progressive. It's a destruction of the family unit. It's the demeaning of a dad. Now granted, there are folks present in this room that had a rotten dad, no doubt. But there are some folks in the room that you were seeking perfection and it's never going to be found. I, I, two of my heroes, Winston Churchill and Ronald Reagan, fascinating thing about both these men is they had really lousy dads. Randolph Churchill died of syphilis. He, he called his son Winston retarded. He wouldn't even visit him when he was just a block away from his school. And his, he would come, Churchill would write his father saying, please come visit me, daddy, please. And never would he come and visit. Wanted nothing to do with him. And in Victoria, England, it was notorious that parents didn't spend a lot of time with their children. But in the Churchill family, it was known that they spent no time with their son. 
His dad was a mess. Reagan's dad was an alcoholic. Couldn't hold down a job, and they moved from city to city and house to house. Reagan recounts seeing his father face down in the snow on a drunken binge, the neighbors seeing him, and so that he wouldn't freeze to death, the young Reagan carried his dad in. But fascinatingly enough, in both of these men's lives, they never demean their father. The Bible says, honor your mother and father. It'll go well with you. You'll live long on the earth. They had every reason to define why they shouldn't succeed because they had such a lousy dad. And we've now come to a place in our culture where other people are responsible for our lack of accomplishment. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you point blank, I, I know some of you guys got lousy dads. You don't get to pick the parents you get in this world, and some of you guys got gypped. You don't get to pick the parents you get in this world, but you can pick the kind of parent you're going to be. And if you're going to be a parent of excuse and blaming all your failure on someone else, you're never going to go anywhere because the Bible says forgetting what is behind, striving for what is ahead. You're a new creature in Christ, forgetting what is behind. Take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of you. You may have a lousy earthly dad, no doubt, but you've got a wonderful heavenly father. And I say that because we have diminished and demeaned the male figure in our culture. And I have to tell you, I, I don't use Dove soap. But I'm going to start using Dove soap. And I'll tell you why. This next commercial I want to show you gets it. I want to show the video we showed at the end. I want to show that one now if we can do it. Take a look at this commercial. It is remarkable. That's a great commercial. I am now using Dove soap. As I brought this verse forward, faith is a substance of things uh, of, of things hoped. Uh, now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony, and by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And I listed for you a handful of these fathers that are in this hall of faith. They're members. Now, I have to just say, this is a pretty wonderful group of folks. Most of you I know. Some I don't. But I do know this. There isn't a single person in this room whose name is in the hall of faith. So let's just put that to rest right now. You're all remarkable, but you're not in the scriptures. These men have their names in the scriptures. And the interesting thing about all these men is that they're all dads. 
Abraham, Aaron, the budding rod at the bottom there. Isaac, he's the one who's getting ready to get stabbed. Jacob, Samuel, and then lower right is David, and that's the statue by Michelangelo. These are all fathers, and they're all in the hall of faith. Pretty remarkable. Faith and fathers. But this is the part that rocks my world a little bit. Because we have made sport of bashing dads. It's even vogue in the body of Christ, too. They're just stupid. They can't survive. You know, my dad, I don't ever remember praying with him or reading scriptures with him. I don't ever remember that. He preached the gospel every day, but he didn't use words. The way he did is he got up and he went to work. Granted, there wasn't a presence of Christ or the reading of scriptures in our home, but there was always a roof and there was food. And there was clothing. He worked hard. He drank. There were times he drank too much. And at the end of his life, he became a man of faith. And I have to tell you, I have nothing but pleasant memories about my dad. Nothing but pleasant memories. He was a good, good husband, good father. Some of you would evaluate it and you'd take time and you could find reasons to trash him. But he's not your dad, he's mine. I want to honor him, I want to be a blessing to him. And through the course of this, looking at these men, I was, I was discouraged, but I was also encouraged. Abraham, the father of faith, the father of faith, he is, he is the one who's responsible for three of the largest religions on the face of the earth. Abraham. What kind of a dad? The great father of Israel kicked his firstborn teenage son, Ishmael, a son he had had with a woman who was not his wife, into the wilderness with his mother, Hagar, and he just walked out of his son's life. Hall of faith. Let me repeat that. Hall of faith. Aaron, you know Moses' brother, the guy of the golden calf fame? Well, his parenting skills, or lack thereof, led to the death of his two sons. Hall of faith. Isaac made it obvious that he loved one son, Esau, more than he did the other son, Jacob. And this led to intense hatred and separation between Esau and Jacob. Let's go to Jacob. Unfortunately, he fell into the same trap that he grew up in, and he loved one son, Joseph, more than the others, and this led to his brothers selling him into slavery and telling Jacob that his favorite son was dead. Hall of Faith. Samuel, the great prophet, such a permissive dad, letting his sons do whatever they wanted so that when they were old, they accepted bribes and perverted justice. This next one has been given a title nobody in this room or in all of Christendom has ever received. His name is so significant in Scripture 
that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, decided to come through his lineage and echoes in the house of Judah, the Lion of Judah and the Son of David. Jesus' lineage not only comes through David's line through his father, but also through his mother, David. And the scripture says this title, a man after God's own heart. Wow. The scripture honors him. Let's learn about David. The great king, warrior, worshiper, songwriter would never be a candidate for a father of the year award. He had many sons with multiple wives and lots of failure. When one of his sons, Ammon, Amnon, excuse me, raped his half-sister Tamar, David knew about it and did nothing. And since David did nothing to Amnon, Tamar's brother Absalom eventually decided to take matters into his own hands, and he murdered Amnon, Amnon to defend his sister's honor. That's pretty screwed up. When David found out what Absalom had done, he did nothing except exile Absalom and never talked to him again, just gave him the silent treatment, creating such hatred in Absalom's heart for his dad that he eventually attempted to kill his own father, take the throne from David, and force David to flee Jerusalem. And the point is, as we examine the hall of faith, if you're looking for an example of a perfect human dad, don't bother looking in the Bible. We can do just as well in this room as we can in the scriptures. We got dads in here who are way too permissive with their kids and fail to teach the values of discipline and the consequences of wrong actions. We have dads in this room who, like cowards, just walk out on their kids' lives. We have fathers in this room, just like in the scripture, who see destructive stuff going on in their kids' lives but fail to act and they do nothing. And this lack of stepping up in parenting sometimes ends in death. We can look in the scriptures or we can look in the room. But here's the interesting thing. I found it also encouraging as I read this. I found it encouraging that there's no perfect dads in the Bible. And there's no perfect dads in this room. And guess what? You're still dads. And God honors you this day. The one thing that these men did possess is they walked with God. Not always. But there was a quality in their life that had something to do with a measure of faith. And I want to speak to all the men who are present here. You have a measure of faith. You've come to church. You have equal standing and footing. You're not perfect, but you're in the hall of faith in the sense that you have it. Being faithful has nothing to do with being perfect. Being faithful has nothing to do with being perfect. Abraham, Aaron, Isaac, Jacob, Samuel, David, 
They're all in the hall of faith. And the beauty of it is, none of them are perfect. I am so tired of a culture that bashes the fathers. It's become vogue. And you know what? It just destroys all of us. Dads matter a lot. And they're important. And they're to be honored. My wife has been married to me for 29 years and known me longer than that. And she will tell you. Probably she won't. (laughs) Because she honors me that I'm not perfect. Not even remotely close. I'm irritating. I'm frustrating. I'm short. I'm angry. I'm name it. I qualify. I got these guys beat. Everyone, you combine them, I've got them beat. And I've never been more honored in all my life and never wanted to excel and to achieve something because she sees me not for who I am, but who I'm to become. My mother, my mother followed my father every two years to a new duty station. She'd have to move all the furniture, set it up, meet new friends, get the kids plugged in. Her life was stretched. He'd be gone seven, eight months at a time. Three tours of Vietnam. She kept the home fires burning. She could have been bitter. They never had a lot. I remember when he was up for admiral rank and they wanted to move him to Korea. And he turned to my mother and he said, you followed me all over the world. I'll obtain flag rank. We have to have this tour in Korea. And she said, I'll go with you wherever you want. And I will honor you. But I have to tell you, I'm tired. A man who had been honored by his wife looked at her and said, then we're not going. And he settled. She had served him to the point where he realized at this point, Going any further would just be an identity for myself as opposed to caring for my family. I had the privilege of all the four kids to have the most time with my dad, though that was limited. And you know what's interesting about my dad? All four of his kids, now one is struggling a bit, but regardless, all four kids have made a profession of faith in Christ. The Apostle John says, I know no greater joy than to see my children walk with God. My dad was a drinker. My dad had an anger issue. And his kids walk with the Lord. And I'm grateful for my father. I look at the body of Christ and I hear struggles and I think to myself, really? This this book... um, Love and Respect. Have you guys ever heard that book? The idea is men want respect and women want love. And they wrote this book. And everyone's saying it's the greatest counseling book. And pass it out and we do it. And you sit down and read the book with the couples. I don't do it anymore. I don't want that book anywhere near me when I'm sitting with couples. Because of the sin nature of humanity, you give that book and they begin to read it and and. And it describes how men want to be respected. 
and it shows how women want to be loved. Now, it's a generalization, but that's the idea. And, and as the guys are reading it, they're going, yeah, that's exactly what I need. Mm-hmm. You really need to read this. And the woman's over here going, this is how I want to be. She goes, this is exactly what I want. And you need to apply this. And they're over here having their little weep fest. Going, serve me. Instead of saying, I'm in this for you. I'm in this for you. And here's a crazy one. My parents weren't believers when they met. They came to Christ later. And I look at folks in the church, and they're like, this is not the person I married. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. And guess what? They're in church. And their kids walk with the Lord. You don't understand. Maybe I don't. I, I know... This woman lives with that same irritation. No, 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 you don't understand. No, 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 I do. I'm not talking about someone who's getting beat up. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about somebody whose life is in danger. Please understand that. There are folks in the fellowship that, that we're working through those issues. And you need to get out. I'll help you. But to labor and endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Dads get a bad rap in some respects. Our modern culture and our secular media says that dads aren't important. But I say dads matter a lot. I want to ask you a question. What do 90% of homeless and runaway children... 63% of youth who commit suicide, 80% of all rapists, 85% of children with behavioral problems, 71% of high school dropouts, 75% of all teens in chemical abuse, 85% of all youth in prison, 70% of all girls who become pregnant as teens have in common. Yeah, they have a home without a dad. We're, we're, we're quick to remove that dad. We're quick to demean that dad. I didn't have a Christian dad. He drank. And I'm grateful I had him. I honor my father. He blessed my life. There's a lot of debate on the importance of fathers in the homes, especially in these recent years. And I'll say up front that single moms can and often do a great job. They, they do a great job. But it still doesn't diminish the importance of dads. God intended it that way. He says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Children, obey your parents. It'll go well with you. You'll live long on the earth. You have God as the covering. You have the father. You have the mother. You have the children. The ones that are of, of greatest need for covering are the children, and they have the most layers of protection. Now, you can remove the dad, and you can, you can have the mom with the kids, but they're susceptible in society to so many, exponentially susceptible to the challenges and dangers of the world. 
The creator of the universe wired us to have a family. And we, we strive to acclimate to the world's idea of men who fail in order to elevate our own importance. It's dangerous. And that's why I like this next guy. Noah. Need an ark? I know a guy. What I love about Noah is here it says in verse 7 of Hebrews 11, by faith Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear and prepared an ark for the saving of his household, his family. He wanted to save his family by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. It says in the scriptures that he was a preacher of righteousness for 120 years. And he had no converts, except for his own kids. Not a very successful preacher. 120 years of sermons. And the only converts were his own children. They estimate, biblical scholars estimate, that the population on the earth prior to the flood was over a billion people. Maybe even more. Some speculate it was even more populated than it is today. And then this flood is coming, and God is searching to and fro, and he chooses, he finds only one man, and that's Noah. That's pretty cool. He picks Noah. He was a man of commitment. He never, never gave up. And I would say the thing that I love about Noah is he... He never had the chance, in a sense, to stand up in a church behind a podium like me or give a speech or preach a sermon. The most effective sermon he gave was his life. For 120 years, he got up every day to build a boat where there was no water. First of all, everyone's looking, going, What is that? It's a boat. What's a boat? Read Genesis. There's no waters. There's going to be a flood. What's a flood? 120 years he's having to explain this to everybody. It's your sin. God's going to judge the earth. Who are you to tell me how I'm supposed to live? Not only was Noah faithful, every day he nailed those nails, or actually it was by dowel. It's remarkable. He built these boards. He shaped it. And every day he went to work, he was declaring, I believe in God. He stood out for 120 years. He was different than the rest of the world. The part in the passage, he saved his family. You're in church. Do you know how significant that is? You've provided a place for your family to come. You're sitting with them. You're a man of faith. I commend you. And if you're tired or you've been beat up or you're going through a struggle, I just say to you, don't give up. Noah didn't give up. It's not easy. You're going to get dumped on. You're going to be ridiculed. And the church is finding a wonderful opportunity for that. Matter of fact, we're excelling. We're watching this as a phenomenon in the church right now.
You want to quit? Don't. Your family's worth fighting for. And contending with the world that doesn't agree. There, there wasn't a soul on the earth that agreed with Noah. Not one. And he stood in opposition to the world and he refused to give up. You know the quarter, or not quarterback, the running back, uh, Emmett Smith, a while back, but I think he's still the rushing leader, and I, I tried to look up his data. He ran 18,355 yards. That's a little over 10.4 miles as a running back. So in the course of his career, he ran 10.4 miles with somebody knocking him down every 4,370 times. He got hit 4,370 times. And not just hit. Have you seen these guys that hit him? They have their own zip code. They're applying for statehood. They have muscles in places where I don't have places. They're big. They're huge. They're hugantic. They're ginormous. And he would keep getting back up. And that's the idea with Noah. And that's the idea with you dads. Get back up. Your kids are worth fighting for. You'll never hear a dad who's walking with the Lord say, I give up. Stand firm. Don't let anything move you. I love what 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Oh, and I got news for you. Noah wasn't a perfect dad either. You just have to get to Genesis 9 and he is so drunk he passes out. Not just drunk. He decided to take his clothes off and lay around naked. Some of us have had dads that have done these type of things, and I empathize and sympathize with you. His, his boys walked in backwards to cover him, and there's some insight into the scripture if you study it, and it goes a little deeper. But Ham made fun of his dad, decided to not honor him, ridicule him. And the interesting thing is, when you split a family, what you try to do is get, you have two warring entities, you try to get the followers to side with you. God didn't design it that way. Even if you're divorced, work on the kids seeing that you're working together. That's still their dad, that's still their mom. Do you understand that? Don't alienate them. Noah wasn't perfect. But remember this, and I'll, I'll finish here briefly. Here's some facts. Noah saved his family. Noah was available in a world that wasn't. Noah understood the danger, but he kept building the ark. Fifty-four years on the earth, 29 years of marriage. If Michelle and I didn't have any kids by choice, the amount of residual income. <laughs> Can you imagine? And this is a season in our life where we are really strained because they all go to school together. And then they want to get married. Oh, and you got to marry someone whose culture says that the father of the bride has to pay. Although Jeff and Rita were so gracious, they helped. Bless you. 
And so did James's mom and dad. They were helpful. And I say that jokingly. But we still both got a cachectomy, didn't we? Yeah, amen. Painful. I still have wounds and scars. And you could give me all the money back and I wouldn't want it. I love being a dad. You see my little grand boy up there? How much joy that brings a human heart. And, and there's times where you have nothing left and you're tired and the kids. Michelle and I, when we were younger, Molly, she had colic and she'd scream. She was awful. And we'd be driving distances because we were the youngest. So we had to always go where the family was. They never came to us because we were the youngest. She was the youngest in her family. I was the youngest in mine. So we had to make the trek all over California. We had the least amount of money, and we had the furthest distance to travel. Not fair. <laughs> and Molly's screaming, and she's crying. And we finally pull over, and we go in, and Michelle has to use the restroom, and I take Molly in in the car seat. And as I take Molly in in the car seat, she's screaming, and I'm so frustrated. And if you've ever watched a council meeting, you can see it on my face. I, I'm not a good poker player. It's frustrating me. And, I, and, I, and, and I'm just, I'm upset. I'm like, stop. I don't know what to do for you. And she's screaming. My fillings are loosening. <laughs> she's got this pitch that just tinnitus kicks in. Right now, I, I have a little bit of vertigo. I think she's responsible. <laughs> and this woman comes up to me and she says, I can see you're irritated. I go, yeah. Yeah, I am. And she says, what I wouldn't give to hear the sound of my baby crying. My baby died as an infant. <laughs> really? I mean, I didn't say that, but it was like a whole perspective change. I know you're in the thick of it, but you're a dad. What a cool thing. You're going to make mistakes, but they're going to get to see you persevere and get back up. And they're going to they're going to see you in church and they're going to see you not quitting on their lives. They're going to see you surviving in a world that says you're irrelevant and you don't quit. You walk with the Lord. You never give up. Yeah, you're not going to be perfect. You'll have those moments, Lord knows I have. My kids have seen the worst of me. Doggone it, they love me, and I love them. They never got a perfect dad, and neither did I. So what's your point? We endeavor as Christians. I want to close with this, and then I'm going to show you a video. As men, we see ourselves in one of these categories. And dads, I share this with you. You see yourself in one of these categories. Please... Listen, it's a gift for you from the Lord. There's the man that you think you are. And that there, there's the man that others think you are. And there's the man we think others think we are. And there's the man that we actually are. But ultimately, there's the man that God calls us to be. That's a tough mantle to carry. We're the priest of the home. We're not a thermometer. We're a thermostat. We sent the spiritual temperature, and we fail. I tell you, sometimes I've come into that house, and I've turned it to freezing just like that. 
day in and day out. Sometimes it would go a month, a year, and God would get a hold of my heart. And Michelle would gently walk in, and to the best of her ability, she'd fix the temperature of the room. She'd pray me through those seasons of struggle. Ephesians 1, the Apostle Paul writes, and I want you to listen to this because God's talking to you. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on the earth, in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. You heard all that, now I want to put it into a Reader's Digest version so you can take it home. I'm going to wrap it up, put it in a bow, and Dad, this is your Father's Day gift. This is what your perfect Heavenly Father has to say about you. And ladies, listen. Your dad says, your heavenly father says, as a man and a father, you were blessed. You're chosen. You're holy. You're blameless. You're predestined. You're adopted. You're loved. You're redeemed. You're forgiven. You're sealed. And more than you can imagine. This is the man that you are. You are no longer the man you think you are, the man others think you are, or the man you think others think you are. The man you actually are is the man God has called you to be. And this is the identity he gives you. Walk in it with joy. Forget what's behind. Strive for what is ahead. Yeah, you're not perfect. But you're the father God has chosen. And you're here, which makes you a man of faith just like Noah. Get back up. Fight for your family. You want to be a good dad? Press into the Lord. He's a good father. He's a perfect father. He'll walk you through this mess. There's nobody perfect. Faith doesn't require perfection. And that's why you are such wonderful dads. You're not perfect, but you're faithful. I leave you with this last video. I remember my dad leaving at seasons, months at a time. He was in the military. 
I was talking to another lady who said, you know, my dad was always gone. My dad died when I was 11. My dad died in Korea. I used to resent the military. I used to resent the absence of my father. Give it a rest. Give it a rest. The hall of faith is filled with failure. Give it a rest. I like this because as I watch this video, and again, I'm going to be a soap buyer. As I watch this video, it made me realize my dad was doing something bigger that maybe as a child I didn't understand. And later in life, I could honor him. And I never saw it from his perspective. He missed me as much as I missed him. Yet he still went to work. And it broke his heart every day. And that's a man who didn't even know the Lord. I was touched by this, and it's a commercial. I'm a sap. Take a look at it. My name is Staff Sergeant John Gallagher. Uh, the last seven months, I've been deployed to Helmand Province, Afghanistan. Since he's been deployed, we had our second baby, Reed. He was not able to be there for his birth. I think I'm just like any other dad who would travel and be away from their family. It's pretty tough. You only have a short period of time. Every moment away, you're never going to get back. We've been together for 10 years. This is a picture from my, uh, my wife and I's our wedding. It's our first dance. I guess our first kiss as husband and wife. We were high school sweethearts. It's a beautiful day. She was absolutely gorgeous that day. This is Kate and John. That's kind of one of my favorite things to do, is just prop her up on my shoulders and walk around. Uh, this is the picture of Reed. Um, John has yet to meet him. He's two months old. The most difficult thing was obviously missing my, my son's birth and, you know, missing my daughter growing up the last seven months. I just want to feel like a dad again, be called daddy and, um, and hold my son. I hope instantly that I feel like his father. I think, I, I think it, it will be, take a short period of time and I'll feel like dad, you know. My eyes were sweating back there, and I don't know what's going on with allergies. I'm buying that soap, though, I tell you what. <laughs> Micah, come on up if you guys would. And 
I want to repeat to you, dads, and this is from your Father in heaven. He wants you to know that as a man and a father, you're blessed, chosen, holy, blameless, predestined, adopted, loved, redeemed, forgiven, sealed. And he loves you. And you're not perfect, but you're faithful. And he's proud of you. Let's stand and worship the Lord. Happy Father's Day, man.